to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill episode number 123 when we go back, back to, the, to past the past and read a comic book from the yesteryear of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com or subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and by passing the arduous entrance exam to UA High. We've only got 10 months to prepare. Oh, no. Sen- senpai. <laughs> now, this one that we're doing this week was suggested by a good friend of ours and a patron, uh, Luke Hollywood. Yeah. He's at EJ underscore, I'm sorry, LJ <laughs> underscore Hollywood on Twitter. And this one is My Hero Academia Volume 1. Now, the series would debut on July 7th, 2014 by Kohi Horikoshi. Thanks. That's about right, right? Yes, uh, translated uh, with the, an English adaptation by Caleb Cook. Touch-up art and lettering by John Hunt. Designed by Sean Carrico. And edited by, by Mike Montisa. Also, according to an illustrated credits page at the end, Horace Koshi's assistants, Horikoshi's assistants, uh, my ever-supportive staff, they're all perverts, is what he said. There's Sase-san. When I give him a job to do, he produces great things. Neda-san, the hope of the no-good dimension. Yokoyama-san, she does the laundry. Horikun, a lovely smile but wreathed in darkness. Hinachiku, so dependable it's scary. (laughs) Fujiya, the ultimate mood maker. Takuo Nagoya, really good at the job from my hometown. And this uh, person is represented by an anthropomorphic cat wearing a helmet with cat ears on it. So Hmm. I'm not sure what that means, but that was cool. Yeah. Uh, This was published in Japan by Shonen Jump Comics, and it's published uh, August 2015 in North America by Viz Media, this volume. Cover price is $9.99 USD. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit a little bit about Kohei uh, Horikoshi. And, you know, when we went into this, uh, we were a little disappointed that I couldn't find a lot of information about him. But the, yeah. I think there's two reasons for that, Chris. Number one, people that work in manga have schedules such that they can never give interviews. It's true because 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 when we looked into it, there was like there were no instances, there were almost no times he ever spoke at it. You know, uh, I don't think he ever like he's ever out of, away from his art desk really, uh, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason is this really is a guy at the beginning of his career. He's I think he's, he's got, young. Yeah. I think his greatest things are ahead of him. So it's kind of exciting to be uh, talking about him, even though now everyone knows what this is. Uh, I think that you'll be hearing about this guy a lot uh, going forward. So. Just to show how young he is, he was born November 20th, 1986, in the Aichi Prefecture in Japan. 
for those unclear, as I was, a prefecture is, is essentially an unincorporated town, would be in, like, in America. Uh, they'd be subject to the laws and taxes of a larger body, like a city or state. Uh, in Japan, those are confusingly also called prefectures. There so you, you can be a prefecture of a prefecture. That's why <laughs> it may have been confusing in the past. Uh, Kohei graduated from the Nagoya University of Arts in Aichi, and he was a former assistant for Yatsuki Tanaka, creator and author of the manga series Hitomi no Katoblapas. 2007? Sure. I'm sorry, I don't, I can't help. <laughs> and Kaijijin. No? Kaijijin? One of those. 2009. Uh, My Hero Academia debuted in July 2014 in the pages of the Japanese manga magazine Weekly Shonen Jump and experienced immediate success. Horikoshi made his first trip to America and his first formal appearance to Western comics in 2018 at San Diego Comic-Con. Yep, and that's all we got on the fella. Pretty so much, we're gonna yeah. jump right into the uh, right into the volume here. My Hero Academia, Volume One, uh, Number One is Zuku Midi Mido. Oh boy, Midoriya. It's his origin. I like to I like to imagine he's Italian. That's why that's how I was pronounced. Midoriya. Midoriya. You know? There you go. Oh, forget about. He is curly um, now, uh, hair, right? You know that's. What he it is. is indeed dark curly hair. <laughs> right. um, now we open as a kid trembles while facing down three bullies. The kid is incidentally Izuku Midoriya. Midoriya. <clears throat> Izuku is protecting an even smaller, more scared kid. Izuku mentions that they've already made the poor kid cry. Now, these bullies, uh, these three of them, they're not like your normal bullies. They have special powers, and some might even say superpowers. The leader of the crew appears to create explosions from his hands. Another member can stretch his fingers out super long and very creepily. Uh, the third is chubby and has giant dragon-like wings. Uh, the scene is actually a flashback, an incident that happened when Izuka was four, and he was called a quirkless wonder. These bullies pummeled the snot out of him for it, and uh, we're more on these quirks in a moment. Mm-hmm. And that was then, but in the present, Izuku is a teenager. He's 14 years, 14 years old, to be precise. And his city is populated by superpowered characters, great and small, and they are currently wrecking stuff. Now, about those quirks... Caption reads, It all began in KK City in China, with the news that a bioluminescent baby was born. After that, exceptional individuals began popping up all over the world. The cause was unclear. Time passed, and the exceptional became the norm. Fantasy became reality. At present, 80% of the world's population consists of superhumans with special abilities. The world is in chaos, and a profession that everyone once only dreamed about entered the spotlight. Back to the story where a giant uh, shark humanoid thing is raging in the city. Various heroes have converged to stop it. Uh, Seems it all began when the shark giant stole a purse and then transformed when he was cornered. The heroes attending to the situation are the popular young superstar Kamui Woods, who's got a body covered in tree bark and uh, typical plant-based powers. There's also Mount Lady, who's a giant blonde girl in a skin-tight outfit and... Lots of paparazzi nearby take advantage of their angle beneath her uh, bodice. 
Yeah, she she bends over. Uh -huh. there. And then uh -huh. The flash bulbs go off. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Now Izuku <laughs> watches in awe as these heroes dispense with the shark-faced guy. Yeah, boy, uh, w wouldn't he like to be a shark-punching tree man or something? Something like that, right? Some, mm -hmm. I don't know what these, but whatever these guys <laughs> are, he wants part of that. Um, it reads. Along with the exceptional abilities came an explosion in the crime rate. While nations struggled to overhaul their legal systems, brave individuals took up the mantle of heroes straight out of comic books, protecting the people from evildoers. With public support, some quickly acquired the right to serve as heroes in official capacity. Depending on their performance, they have the potential to earn government pay, fame, and glory takes a lot to get that government pay. It does, really. <laughs> now, Izuku is taking notes on everything that he's seen while muttering about it. Yeah, he, he really wants to be a hero very, very badly. Oh, so badly. <laughs> he could taste it. Now, at school, Izuku and the rest of the class are getting balled out by the teacher because it's a it's career-picking day or something. Some you, you know, we all have that there, right? I don't know what that is, yeah. It <laughs> uh, seems the teacher uh, figures the class all want to be heroes, so he doesn't even bother... Passing out the usual forms, why they bother even having that usual day is a question, really. Right. Yeah. Uh, the class erupts in a unanimous and enthusiastic agreement, some manifesting their quirks as they do. One guy's mouth turns into some monstrous toothy thing. Another kid's arm and hand turns all rocky like the things from Fantastic Four. Another student grows a super long neck, and then one girl I think is like maybe using telekinesis or something like that. Yeah, and the, the the Rocky kid actually says Rocky, doesn't he? Oh, there he is, Rocky. <laughs> the professor goes, yes, you all have wonderful quirks, but you know that it's against the rules to use them in school. And then from the back of the classroom, a blonde kid says, Sensei, don't lump me in with these losers, as if I had anything like their crappy quirks. <laughs> Now, this kid is Katsuki Bakugo, age 14. This looks like the kid that was bullying Izuka. Is, is, was it Izuka? Izuku. <laughs> it's a... Uh... Izuku, is it? Yep. Okay. Now, this looks like the kid who was bullying Izuku in the earlier flashback. Uh, anyway, this kid is destined to go to UA High School. Uh, we never do learn what UA stands for because uh, it doesn't stand for anything. Uh, the name UA is actually a simplified pronunciation. U, that's Y-U-U, and A, that's E-I, that is what the school name looks like when written in kanji, U-E. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, now, the word hero in kanji translates to E-U, so it's kind of a little play on words or translations. Yeah, it's a kanji kind of flipping into language. You could do that with Japanese because their language is uh, wild. Yeah, it's inside out. Yeah, so UA High is where those with quirks learn to master them and become sanctioned heroes. Katsuki has aced those mock exams, and his power to create explosions with his hands is a surefire winner. Uh, no pun intended right there, of course. Mm -hmm. Now, Katsuki despises the extras with crappy quirks, but he has nothing but contempt for the quirkless kid like Izuku. You're totally quirkless, and you think you can rub shoulders with me? Izuku thinks nothing of the sort. He says, well, wait, no, Cashin. I wasn't saying I can compete with you. Not at all. Izuku is backing away and falling over himself with nervousness. I mean it. It's just been my dream since I was little. And, well, there's, there's no harm in trying. Try? Try what? The entrance exam? You're taking the exam just to try? What can you even do? 
by now the whole class is laughing at Izuku. Oh, poor fella. Poor guy. Poor quirkless guy. At <laughs> 12.02pm downtown, a monster made entirely of slimy goop is like shambling and oozing down the street and uh, he's just robbed a bank. Yes, a sickly coughing man is among the crowd gathered to watch the supervillain. And then his chest expands and he becomes All Might. He says, I am here. Back at the school, Izuku is being bullied by Katsuki. Uh, he uses his exploding powers to seriously single singe uh, Izuku's homework here. And then he tosses it off a balcony. Uh, Katsuki tells Izuku that he'll be the only person from their middle school to make it into UA High. So, Izuki, you know, he's better not try is all, you know? Yeah. On his way out, Katsuki suggests Izuku take a leap off the roof. Uh, <laughs> then he might reincarnate as someone with a quirk in the next life, which, if reincarnation is a thing, reincarnation is a thing, then the odds are in his favor. 80% sure. people, yeah. that's a lot. So, uh, Izuku thinks that Katsuki is really stupid for saying that. Idiot, if I really jumped, you'd be charged with bullying me into suicide. Think before you speak. Yeah, he's not wrong. You can really get in big trouble these days. Uh, Izuku remembers back to when he was first inspired to be a hero. It was a clip of All Might saving a dozen children at once that he kept watching on YouTube, or something like YouTube, whatever it was in his universe. Yes. Izuku wanted to be just like All Might when he got his quirk. But the doctor had a little bit of bad news. I'm afraid there's no hope for him. Yes, and Izuku's mother goes, no. There must be some mistake. The other kindergartners have just started showing signs, but... Pardon my asking, ma'am, but you're fourth generation, yes? As far as quirks, I mean. Yes, of course. I can pull small objects towards me, and my husband can breathe fire. Especially after pizza night. Oh, hey, look out! Ooh. Oh, yikes! Uh, the doctor explains that early research discovered that people with quirks had only one joint in their pinky toe. They'd evolved past the need for two. Izuku has two joints in his pinky toe, ergo, no quirky for him. Mm-hmm. Izuku is determined to remain positive about this, uh, watching clips of All Might on the computer and enthusiastically telling his mom that he will be a hero. He's kind of a bit too enthusiastic, if you ask us. Uh, yeah. Like he's, he's grinning maniacally, and like tears are streaming down his face. He's really, really into it. I mean, you really you might want to put this kid in a padded room. To kind of, kind for of for think, a little bit. Kind yeah. of freaking me out a little bit, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, in the present, Izuku wishes his mom had been more supportive, but he still stands resolved. Resolved to be a hero, even as the goop monster from earlier slurps up through a manhole behind him. The goop monster grabs Izuku and tries to crawl into his body to hide. Says it will only take 45 seconds, and then Izuku will die. Yes, Izuku is losing out to this gross monster of phlegm, but then All Might busts up through that same manhole. Fear not, kid! I am here! All Might winds up a punch called the Texas Smash! <laughs> And whatever it was, it worked. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Izuku passes out, but All Might slaps him awake. So All Might looks like this really buff blonde guy in a t-shirt and jeans. Uh, his hair has like two bunny ears at the front. Yeah. I don't know what that's about, but that's cool. Uh, All Might apologizes to Izuku for getting him caught up in that fight. But with Izuku's help, All Might was successful. He thrusts a soda bottle at the reader. Looks like it might be Grohl brand. At first, you know, Chris, I thought this was a promotion. Yeah. But no, that's he stuffed the slime creature in yep. the bottle. That's where the, the slime thing is. And uh, he also burps simultaneously and on cue. 
It's true. Uh, Izuku is shaking in his shoes to be so close to his idol, who he notes is drawn in a completely different style to the other characters in the book, and, and he's not wrong. Strange that, but all right. Uh, quickly, Izuku looks for his notebook to get an autograph, only to find that All Might has already signed it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Izuku bows profusely as All Might walks away. Wow! Thank you so much. What a treasure. It'll be my family heirloom. Now I must bring this fellow to the authorities. You could catch me again on TV. Um, wait, is that it? I, uh... A pro battles not only enemies, but also time. Hold on, I still... I need to ask you... All my tenses up and takes off into the sky. Until next time, thanks for your support! What he doesn't realize is Izuku is hanging on to his leg. Um, Now, All Might can't rightly release Izuku now because he would fall to his death. Uh, A drop of blood appears at the corner of All Might's mouth, which is uh, a concern. I would think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Back at school, Katsuki and his cronies are just bumming around outside. Katsuki's talking about how annoyed he is by Izuku's hopes and dreams. Like, like what's pretty harsh. Like, get over even, it, dude. He's not even there. Wait, can't you just wait until he's there? Do you bully him? Uh, the goop monster shows up and tries to take over Katsuki. I guess he got away from All Might somehow in the, in the fracas over there. Uh, hmm. This goop monster much prefers the new kid because he's got a cool quirk to him. And Katsuki would probably agree with that if he weren't being killed at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice uh, nice stroke to the ego, but it is, yeah. all things being equal, he probably would prefer not. Uh, now on a nearby rooftop, All Might has landed with Izuku, and he seems concerned about how they're going to get down from there, which a little weird. Uh, now Izuku wants to know if he can still be a hero even without being born with a quirk. At this point, All Might is seriously peeved that he's been so delayed. While Izuku makes his case for being a quirkless hero... All Might transforms. In a haze of smoke, he changes into a sickly, coughing man with blood coming out of his mouth. And it's the same fellow we saw in that crowd earlier. And at this sight, Izuku is pretty incredulous. In this form, All Might says, You know how people hold in their gut at the pool? It's like that. No way! A fearless smile, huh? You've seen the real me, kid. But don't write about it on the internet, okay? It kind of looks like a like a like a really thin, scrawny robot. It's like he's sort of angular, he has a, yeah. Very skeletal, yeah. It's like an yeah. angular face. Now, uh, All Might pulls up his T-shirt to reveal a seriously deep scar over his chest, and he says that an enemy did it five years ago. His respiratory system was nearly destroyed, and his stomach was removed. And as a result of numerous surgeries, he can only be All Might for about three hours a day. Izuku remembers a fight from five years ago that All Might had with the toxic chainsaw, but All Might says that that wasn't him. The incident that wounded All Might was never made public because he didn't want to appear fallible to them. Mm -hmm. Now, in the end, All Might answers Izuku's question about being a hero with no quirk. A pro should always be ready to risk his life. Without power, could one become a hero? No, I should think not. If you desire to help people, becoming a police officer is always an option. Those villain custody officers are often mocked, but that too is admirable work. It's not wrong to dream. However, you need to be realistic, kid. And All Might exits through the rooftop door, which leaves Azuku there dejected. 
on the way downstairs, he notices that the goop thing in the bottle is no longer in his pocket. And through a window, he sees an explosion off in the distance. That mud monster is still trying to take over Katsuki, who is using his explosive powers to fend it off. The other heroes are helpless to do anything about this. Mountain Lady's too big to fit down the street. Kabui Woods won't engage since explosive fires are his weakness. And then there's this other guy made entirely of water who's busy putting out those fires. So he, he can't jump in there. Uh, no one can stop him. And All Might in his sickly form helplessly watches Katsuki being absorbed. And then Izuku comes strolling by. Yeah, Izuku's feeling pretty sorry for himself after being told he can't be a hero, but then he notices the crowd gathered around the action. He blames himself for All Might not being able to help out there, because, you know, he definitely did play a factor in that. Yeah, he kind of held him up there for a little while, yeah. you know, kind of <laughs> took up his three hours. Cut into those day. three hours, but yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, that snot creature has almost taken over Katsuki, who looks genuinely scared for the first time. This is a really, this is kind of a cool panel, Chris, where it's like, you just see that, like the fear in his eyes, and his whole sure. face is kind of crushed in this goop thing, and uh, his eyes meet Izuku's. Then Izuku goes running right towards Katsuki and the monster, and throws his backpack at him. Kashan, you why? My legs just started moving. Why? I, I don't know. Y you look like you needed saving. Azuku here attempts a helpful grin, but it really only makes him look way more nervous. <laughs> uh, the slime beast needs only a few more seconds to take over Katsuki, but then All Might in his hero form shows up. Yeah, he's, he is bleeding from the mouth, but he does show up. The lesson I left you with, I should practice what I preach. A pro should always be ready to risk his life. All Might punches the ground, and this is the Detroit Smash! <laughs> and it's, it's funny that this Japanese superhero has all these punches named for, you know, American locations. I guess they, they know where the uh, action's at. <laughs> they do. They know where, where the pounding goes down. Uh, now, the point is, this works, and the monster is dissipated. All Might punches the ground so hard that it affects the weather... And it begins raining. Wow. Yeah. Afterwards, the heroes are uh, really mad for uh, putting himself... At, uh, the heroes are really mad for putting himself in danger. Yeah, that meant at Izuku, sir. At Izuku, yes. But they uh, congratulate Katsuki and tell him to consider becoming one of their sidekicks once he goes pro. Katsuki is uh, not thrilled with this outcome, however, and uh, when he and Izuku have a moment alone... Hey, Deku, I never asked you to save me, as if you could, huh? Well... I could have beaten him myself. How dare a quirkless failure like you pity me? Try to win me over? Don't you dare mock me, stupid nerd! And with that, Katsuki spins away and walks off sulking. And Izuku agrees with him. Yeah, they actually are <laughs> in total agreement with Izuku yeah, you being win. a piece yeah. of garbage. Yeah, they like. <laughs> now he's ready to get back to the more realistic goals and uh, maybe forget about being a hero. But then, All Might appears. He's brawny at first, but soon becomes the sickly version. Kid, I've come to thank you and revise what I said earlier. I also have a proposal. Without you, if I hadn't heard your story, I'd have been nothing but fake muscles and insincerity. So thank you. Of all the people at the scene, it was only you, timid and quirkless, who acted. You spurred me to action. So if you'll just put yourself in a life-threatening life danger on a regular basis, yeah. we could probably be one heck of a team, right? That's right. It'd be All Might yeah. and his inspiration. You know, there you go. <laughs> no, All Might says that Izuku has the makings of a great hero because his body acted before he could think. 
Izuku, hearing this, is bent over, racked with sobs. Remember his mother, who told him she was sorry, so sorry, when what he wanted her to say was, You can be a hero. Oh, there it is. Number two, Roaring Muscles. Uh, here's a full page of All Might from the back, flexing. <laughs> uh, panels before him depict his uh, positive press merchandising. A supporter also holds a sign that reads, Exceptional! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to see that one day, like, stepping stepping off out of your house and someone just holds up a sign? You're a great guy, you know, be like, oh, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Chris, we love him. Yeah, you're a good uh, kid, we love him. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's, he's also wearing a costume now, which is kind of a blend between Captain America and the Falcon, if we're being honest. Yeah, I'm not sure what the colors, although you can, I think you can kind of see it in the front, but the design... Kind of has a little each going, I thought, in there. Some wings, sure. even. Mm-hmm. Uh, caption reads, The number one hero, All Might. Age, unknown. Quirk, also unknown. Ever since he appeared on the hero scene, his strength has won him undisputed popularity. Every year that he's been active has seen a marked decrease in the appearance rate of villains. His existence alone is a deterrent of villainy. He's a man who lives up to his name as Symbol of Peace. And that man said, you can be a hero to me. Oh, this chapter begins right where the last one left off. Izuku is still bowing before All Might in his sickly form. Tears stream from his eyes as he recalls all those who doubted him in the past. Namely, those harsh words of Katsuki would be the main doubter in the past. He's the worst. Now, All Might informs Izuku that he is worthy of inheriting his power. Izuku's a little suspicious. Uh, you, You know, you shouldn't be able to pass around quirks like that, you figure. The tabloids like to guess that it's super strength or boost power, and I avoid the question in interviews by making jokes, because All Might, the symbol of peace, has to come off a natural-born hero. That's also why he doesn't mention his time in the Boy Scouts. That's, he figured out yeah. all those knots by himself. That's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. right. The taut line hitch, the bone. Oh, oh, he figured uh, it out. Yeah. <laughs> now, it turns out that All Might's quirk was passed down to him. He, he compares it to the Olympic torch. Uh, you see that he that his one actual quirk is the ability to transfer power, and it's called One for All. The first person cultivates the power and then passes it to another. The next refines it and passes it on again. In this way, those crying out to be saved and those with brave and true hearts form a crystalline network of power. Uh, sure. Uh, okay. uh, that's cool. <laughs> now, uh, All Might thinks Suzuku is right for the job, of course, uh, because he ran into danger despite being without a quirk. Uh, we went over this in the previous chapter. Uh, this is a recap for the weekly readers yep. because this was a serialized, uh, or still is, I'm sure. Yep. Suzuku uh, thinks about what he's being offered and... Uh, you know, it only takes him about a millisecond before yeah. he he accepts. It's like it's like a, just like a, a half a pound. He's like, should I? Yes, sir, yes, sir. yep, 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 yep. So that next morning at six a.m., training begins. It takes place on a beach that's covered in garbage, and it's like industrial garbage, like pieces of buses and and wheel giant yeah. tractor wheels and stuff like that. Uh, first, Izuko is tasked with pulling a refrigerator secured with a rope, and All Might in his buff bod form is sitting atop it and heckling him. Yes, he tells Zuku that he needs to train his body before he can accept the one-for-all quirk. My quirk, one-for-all, binds the physical strength of many people into one. Your limp noodle body isn't ready for it. Your limbs would pop right off. 
Azuku, along with the reader, sees what this might look like, and uh, it's not pretty. No, not good. No, All Might says that uh, dragging this garbage across the beach will serve another purpose as well. You know, it does need cleaning, so this volunteer work is a type of heroism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's a lesson to be learned here somewhere. Um, throw your garbage on the beach and some apprentice will be made to clean it up eventually? Is that... I think that that might be it. That sounds good Mm -hmm. to me. Uh, The job is daunting, but Izuku has plenty of time to complete it, theoretically. I've got ten months before the entrance exam. I've got to mold my body into a suitable vessel by then. All Might pulls out a pamphlet from uh, somewhere. Uh, He says, that's what this is for. My self-designed, pass-the-test American dream plan. The plan consists of a training regimen and diet for Izuku to follow closely over the next 10 months. All Might admits that this will be super tough, but he does believe that Izuku can do it. So Izuku gets right to work hauling giant tires and assorted junk across the beach. In school, he's exhausted and can barely keep up with the lessons. During class, he works out the optimal shape he can achieve, given the time allotted, considering sleep and muscle rest. Uh, Frankly, it's actually pretty impressive stuff. He he could be a personal trainer, really. He really comes up with a a really tight regimen. The teacher uses her arm-stretching quirk to shake Izuku out of his reverie. The class laughs at him, and and says he'll never make it into UA with that reindeer red nose. (laughs) <laughs> now, the training continues, which includes studying for the UA High's uh, entrance exam. There would have to be a written portion, right? Right, that's, yeah. they always have to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, now, after a while, burning the candle at both ends does take its toll. Azuku falls flat on his face one day while holding trash at the beach. All Might can tell that Azuku hasn't quite stuck to the plan. Uh, you remember that uh, pass the test American dream plan? American dream. A weird what? name. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, All Might can tell that Azuku has overdone it here. Azuku says he doesn't want to just pass the test. He has to work harder than that. I want to be like you. Like you, the strongest hero. All Might thinks to himself, I see. He's got the eye. He's got his eye on the far future. And then he says, you, you blind fanboy, such dumb zeal. That's exactly what I like to hear. I get where you're coming from, but this is no time to panic. This old man will modify the plan for you. You're not an old man, All Might. Oh, you're all right, kid. Anyway, so on, <laughs> on exam day at 6 a.m., Izuku is ready. And I mean... He actually looks pretty ripped, I gotta say. Totally and the shredded. Beach, he is. He's like, a, for a 14-year-old kid, he is pumped. And the beach is totally clear of junk. He stands atop a heap of it and screams triumphantly. All Might is very impressed with Izuku. He shows Izuku a picture of himself from 10 months ago, crying and waiting. It's so messed up. Like, why did you, you held on to this all this time? <laughs> Just to bug him with it later. Yeah. Uh, now, Izuku is proud of himself, and he's so proud that he's sobbing. Though he does feel like he's cheated because he got all this help from All Might. All Might thinks to himself, he's wrong. This is because of his own efforts. And he says, but you gotta quit being a crybaby. Anyway, time for the award ceremony, Izuku Midoriya. Okay. You know, they say there's a big difference between being born with that silver spoon and working your butt off to earn it. Somehow I think they would have come up with a snappier model. I've never heard them say that, I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> now, All Might tells Izuku that he earned the right to inherit his quirk, fair and square. Then he gives Izuku a strand of his hair and uh, tells him to eat it. <laughs> okay. uh, 
he says it doesn't it doesn't matter what you eat as long as it has his DNA because if he is able to absorb All Might's DNA, that's how the quirk is passed along, right? I guess it's a, he, didn't, I he hope. never says that, but I, I it's, it implies that because it's it's either that or we're we're like getting into really strange fetish territory yeah, with this fellow, right? Eat this my is my hair odd. kind of thing. Be like that. Ah. I have to see you chew it too. You know, like, <laughs> oh. I don't know how far that went, but that that, that could be foul. Yeah. yeah. But that is the end of the second chapter. We jump right into number three, which is called Entrance Exam. And uh, this UA high school is a pretty big deal, and all the best heroes have graduated from this institution. We got All Might, who magnanimously declined the People's Choice Award, uh, Endeavor, who has stopped more crimes in recorded history. And the guy who's won the Best Genist Award eight years running... Best genist is his name. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it appears that a genist is someone who wears a denim jacket well. Did you know? Is am I? Did you know that, Chris? I didn't know it. I, I that might have been me in like 1989. <laughs> you were uh, an adherent to genism back then. Uh, yeah, and I even had a button on the uh, pocket. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Izuku finished his training on February 26th, and the very next day took the 40-minute subway ride to UA High for the exam. With no time to practice with the power bestowed by All Might, Izuku prepares to enter the school, but uh, first he has to get bullied by Katsuki a little, uh, who is taking his test on the same day, of course. Of course. Uh, actually, since the day Izuku tried to save Katsuki from the goop monster, he's left Izuku alone for the most part. But that doesn't mean he's been pleasant to no, him. They're not buddies. He just they're no. They ain't pals. <laughs> now, uh, with steely determination, Izuku prepares to walk into UA High, but he trips over his own foot. Uh, curiously, he hangs motionless in the air instead of crashing down to the ground. This is all thanks to a chipper blonde girl who's just shown up. Her name is Ochako Ororaka, uh, though we won't learn that for another chapter. She says, It's my quirk! Sorry for stopping you, but, well, it's a bad omen to trip and fall! I'd say the omen probably happened earlier. You know, tripping and falling kind of seems like the consequence. Yeah, what, what, I mean, what happens yeah. next? A piano falls on your head? <laughs> this sure is nerve-wracking! Yeah, um, um... Good luck to both of us! And Ochako walks away, waving with a smile. Izuku stands stiffly, a stupefied expression on his face. Despite appearances, Izuku is very proud of this interaction. I talked to a girl! Caption reads, he didn't actually talk. They have a point there, he really <laughs> didn't. Uh, now the test begins. It's held in a large arena with an announcer and everything. Zuku indicates that this is the voice hero called Present Mike. He's got a radio show Zuku listens to every week. Yeah, Present Mike says, This is how the test will go, my listeners. You'll be experiencing 10-minute-long mock cityscape maneuvers. Bring along whatever you want. After this presentation, you'll each head to your assigned testing location. In the crowd, Katsuki says he will crush all opposition, but Azuku will get to live another day to his chagrin. Each site is filled with three kinds of faux villains. Points are awarded for defeating each according to their respective difficulty levels. Use your quirks to disable these faux villains and earn points. That's your goal, listeners. Of course, playing the anti-hero and attacking other examinees is prohibited. Now, this is all expressed in a diagram using silhouettes of the uh, Mario character from Super Mario Brothers. And, and it's very cute. I, did, I like the little part. The little it is. Mario is nice. <laughs> now, one test taker in glasses points out that four faux villains are named on the provided handout. 
and this is a violation of the rules of the UA, he says vigorously. The same guy also chastises Izuku for muttering to himself the whole time. He's serious business, and we'll be seeing more of him later. His name is Tenya Ida, but we don't find that out for a couple of chapters. Yeah. Uh, President Mike explains that the fourth foe villain is like the Thwomp from Super Mario Brothers games. This is that sliding wall with a face that appeared mostly in dungeons. You know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? So this fourth villain can't be destroyed. It's more of an obstacle to be avoided. Uh, how this circumvents the rules about there being three foe villains, uh, we have no idea. But <laughs> point is, there are no points awarded for dealing with this particular villain. Yes, and that's it. President Mike leaves the hopeful students with the UA motto. The great hero Napoleon Bonaparte once said, True heroism consists in being superior to the ills of life. Plus ultra, break a leg, everyone! And the full quote is, True heroism consists in being superior to the ills of life in whatever shape they may challenge us to combat. It's probably the most often quoted phrase by Napoleon, though we couldn't find out where or when he'd actually said it. Uh, the sentiment the sentiment is basically to make lemonade from lemons, which uh, is is nice enough. Sure, but, uh, that's nice. Yeah, always worth doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fake city. Back to the story. A fake city springs up from the ground, and the students prepare to compete. Azuku spots that same girl with the quirk to stop things from falling that saved him from embarrassment earlier, or almost saved him from embarrassment. I think he was a little embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, and this is of course Ochako, and we'll learn that. We'll learn later. that later. We're still we're, we're dealing with these people, but we never find out their names. Which yep, is they're just around. Kind of a running thing in this uh, th- to me. Uh, the Kurt guy that chastises Zuku earlier, that's Tenya, remember, busts his chops a little more, and everyone smirks at Azuku's flinching. The test officially begins, and everyone takes off except for Azuku, that is. He runs then at top speed, determined to get back into the fight. He thinks back to earlier with All Might when he said he didn't feel himself transforming, and All Might said it would take a few hours after eating his hair. Yeah, you gotta digest it, man. Right. Uh, when the one-for-all quirk kicks in, warned All Might, it's going to take a great physical toll. Uh, he's had no time to get used to the power, so he should prepare for some kickback. When you use one for all, clench up your butt and let your heart cry out, saying, A faux villain robot smashes through a nearby wall, which startles Izuku. It's a one-pointer. It's quick, but fragile. It's locked on Izuku, who stands frozen with shock. He's unable to move, terrified on instinct, as Izuku describes it. Then someone whose quirk is that he shoots a laser beam from his belly button uh, takes care of the faux villain. Pretty well. That's all you needed. Yeah. Uh, So there are six minutes, two seconds remaining, and people are slamming faux villains left and right, racking up points in double digits. Wait, wait a second. If there are only three villains that give points, and one of them only gives one point... Then how can the other two combined equal numbers like 32 and 45? Uh, I, I don't know, man. Clearly in the sea, there's way more than three villains here. So uh, right? I think something had to be lost in translation. I, I think it meant to read something like type three types of villains, right? Probably. Uh, one, one pointers, you know, we'll say two pointers and five, five pointers or something like this. Uh, would have been nice to find out. Anyway, uh, however many faux villains there were, there aren't many left uh, now, and Azuku has zero points. Aww. After watching various students use their quirks to their best abilities, the proctors decide to turn things up a notch and release that fourth villain that rampages around in close quarters. 
Hold on a second. This is a giant robot with a massive block head. It's uh, it's nothing like a thwomp from Super Mario Brothers at all. Well, look, man, I, I don't know what to tell I you. Th- I thought this was supposed to be a fixed obstacle. Why, why doesn't defeating this foe villain give any points? Yeah, I, I don't think this is a very well-controlled exam environment, I have to tell you. It really seems... Maybe that's how it is in the real willy world. Nilly. You have yeah. to be you have to be ready for anything, even <laughs> totally unfair <laughs> test. Uh, think on your feet. Yep. Uh, so this giant uh, thwomp, we'll call it, is indeed a Godzilla-sized robot with actual hands and feet, and just walks around crushing things. It's bigger than some of the fake buildings around it. It really seems unfair to have to fight this thing for no points. For no points, yeah. yeah. Now, when this thing co- uh, comes charging along, everyone goes running the other way. Azuku, lacking any points, doesn't quite have that luxury. Though defeating this thing won't give him points either, so really, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, while running, he sees that blonde girl from earlier in the day hurt. She's lying on the ground. Ochako. Her name is Ochako. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, seeing her struggle, Azuku remembers something she said to him that morning. It's a bad omen to trip and fall. And it's an even worse omen to be crushed to death by a machine, I'd That's imagine. bad mojo right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that could ruin your day. <laughs> uh, just as the tremendous thwomp is about to descend on Ochaku, Izuku's right arm hulks out and becomes superpowered. Izuku flies into the air and punches the thwomp right in its face area. Area? It must be, yeah. <laughs> face zone? Uh, and it falls to the ground with a smash. And Izuku Midoriya's final score is still zero. Zero, zero, zero. Anyway. Goose egg. Now, number four, starting line. Picking up for the end of the previous chapter, Izuku is now falling to the ground. And it's like several stories he has to fall. He's not going to make it if he lands. Uh, while plummeting to his death, Izuku notices his right arm is throbbing with pain. This is that kickback that All Might warned about. Yeah, Suzuku considers doing a Detroit smash upon landing, uh, and this would also be known as a ground pound, but figures that the rest of his body, which is unpowered by the one-for-all quirk, would probably be shattered in the process. Then the blonde girl stops him from falling a couple feet from the ground, and then releases him safely. Her name is Ochako! <laughs> no, Izuku is sobbing with pain, but he hopes that he'll get just one point for knocking out the thwomp. Mm, nope. Ah, they're very, they're very rigid. They're very strict. Yep. Yes. Uh, people are whispering about Izuku behind his back, wondering why he's such a scaredy cat when he's got a powerful quirk like he obviously manifested. But the student that picked on him earlier sees what really happened. That would be Tenya again. Izuku was ready to sacrifice himself for Ochako. Despite being so behind in the exam and to his own peril, Izuku didn't hesitate. This student says he would have done the same if this weren't an exam. Mm, An old lady with her hair in a bun and wielding a sword comes among the students to distribute Haribo candy. Uh, Haribo is a German confectionery company best known for its gummy candies. It was founded in 1920 by Johannes Hans Riegel Sr. The name is an acronym formed from Hans Hans Riegel Bonn. Bonn, Germany, uh, where it was located, yes. yeah. Uh, though a European creation, these candies are hugely popular in Japan, Korea, and China, and in the U.S. You often find them in Asian markets or departments. I'm surprised they were German, quite frankly. I, I assume they came from Asia. That's how often I see them, only in, like, 
Korean and Japanese markets. Yeah, they, they carry them at Walmart too, so yeah, they're, oh, yeah. they're around. They yeah. get around. They, they always they get around. To me, they're always the lesser gummy. I must say, but that, that may be my American. <laughs> you don't palate. like the star mix? Not yeah. so much, but that's that <laughs> might be me. Uh, the student with the laser in his belly button says, "This older woman is the backbone of the UA. She stands over Azuku, who is lying on the ground in pain." So your own beloved quirk did this to you. Almost looks as though your body isn't used to it. She gives Izuku a kiss on his head, and luckily, this woman's quirk is a healing factor, and Izuku hey. is cured. Hooray! Uh, it's due to her presence that UA even did dares hold these kinds of dangerous competitions, which makes sense. And her name, by the way, is Recovery Girl, and she's designated as a youthful heroine. Despite looking like a really old lady, uh, she's also the, nur the nursing instructor, which must be weird to be like, and then you take the patient and kiss them on the head and they're cured. How come That's it's it? not working for anyone else? What's wrong with you people? Everyone gets an F. Anyway, so uh, that needling student uh, with the glasses, Tenya, is thinking of a way Izuku could beat the test. He doesn't, however, share it with the reader. Yes. We jump to a week later, and Izuku is totally spaced out, thinking about his entrance exam. His mom can't get through to him, and Izuku is positively catatonic. He thinks that he probably did all right on the written portion, but he knows that that total goose egg in the faux villain area sealed his fate. Uh, the rules were really unclear, if you ask me. For sure, seriously. Uh, they, were, they were ridiculous. Uh, Izuku's mom is happily anticipating the letter from UA. Uh, he hasn't told her of his failure during the practical exam. And, big surprise, he is dwelling on it. Finally, the letter arrives, and when opened, a holographic projection of All Might appears. Turns out he's going to be a teacher at UA High this year. All Might reiterates what Izuku and we already know, that even if you pass the written portion, getting zero points on the practical exam naturally results in failure. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, but I'm pathetic. But that's not the end of the story. Let me entertain you. Please watch the screen. So now, within the hologram that contains All Might, there is also a television screen. Why do this? I mean, why not just change the hologram to be whatever you want them to see? Well, this is doing it with style. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the screen shows the blonde girl, the nice one that Izuku saved. The name is Ochako. Well, we're all going to learn that soon enough. Oh, good. Uh, now, she, she came to the judges after the test, <laughs> and she asked if Azuka could be given one of the points that she earned, at least however many points he gave up trying to save her anyway. There was absolutely no need for you to put yourself in danger. You've acquired your quirk, and you've moved others with your actions. That boy, he saved my life. This exam, you see... We weren't just watching for villain-based points. The judges tell Ochaku that they can't give Azuku any of her points, but there won't be a need for it, because rescue points were also a factor in this test. Oh? Right? And Azuku got 60 of them. So he got a D minus, right? Is that... Is that how this works, right? A 60? Uh, something like that. May, maybe. Uh, however you want to call it, the score turns out to be good enough to get into UA. Yeah, it guess it'll take a lot. All right, fine. I guess, yeah, we're, 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 you know, mediocrity is fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now we jump right into number five, which is called Smashing into Academia. We see a scoreboard showing how all the students did on the test, or at least the top nine. Izuku got zero villain points, but 60 rescue points, which placed him at seventh. Katsuki got zero rescue points, but 77 villain points, so he is in first place. 
And of course, since you asked, Ochako got 28 rescue points and 45 billion points, which puts her in third place. Mm-hmm. Now, after receiving his acceptance letter, All Might tells Azuku to meet him on the beach at 8 p.m. And that night, All Might is there in his sickly form. Izuku is so excited, he calls out All Might's name as soon as he sees him, and that attracts the attention of some nearby beachgoers. All Might tells Izuku to say his eyes were playing tricks on him, and that kind of blows him off. Yeah. All Might says he hasn't told Yue about their special relationship. Izuku guesses this is why they have to meet at the beach. All Might planned to take the job at the school while searching for his successor. He'd been looking for someone to take on the power for a little while now. Izuku figures that All Might was going to pick a student with an amazing quirk, not a lame nobody like him. And uh, he's a crybaby, too, don't forget. And, and a nerd. I also, think, uh, Katsuki yeah, called him that. a nerd. <laughs> right. Uh, one for all, my body is broken after a single punch or kick. I just can't wield it. That's just how it is. If someone suddenly grew a tail, it's not like they'd be able to do tricks with it right off the bat. Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Sure, fine. Sure. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, hmm. <laughs> now, All Might says he was aware of the risk, but he had hope for the best. Picking up some cans from the ground, he says that the more All Might tempers his vessel, the more he can control the power. And to illustrate, we see an image of a goblet with liquid being swirled around within. And then All Might crushes the cans in his hand after bulging out into his superhero form. So this has got to be like the worst tutoring I've ever seen. I don't right? understand any. What, what, what is what happening? Is, what is this? He has what to have this? a goblet now? What's going on? <laughs> or a can. Oh, okay. Uh, like when passing the Olympic flame. The new torch burns weakly at first, but the coming tests and trials will fan it. So we're com- we're training to compete in the Olympics now. I, I guess that's cool. I mean, you is, know, we do is a lot gymnastics going to be uh, the next? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, well, now that he's manifested his superhero form, the crowd at the beach recognizes All Might, and so it's time for he and Izuku to uh, skedaddle. Yep. Whoop, 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 whoop. They were. <laughs> we jump to that spring when classes at UA begin. Azuku's mother dotes on him as she sends him off to school. Seems that only one in 300 applicants to UA get in each year. Only 36 students to a grade uh, divided in two classes of 18. Yeah, Azuku hopes that Katsuki and that angry guy with the glasses are in the other class, but hey, wouldn't you know it, they're right there in his homeroom <laughs> class arguing in the front row. And uh, here we learn the nerdy guy is named Tenya. I'm from Somi Private Academy. My name is Tenyaida. Somi? A stuck-up elitist, then? I should blow you to bits. You're awful. Do you really wish to become a hero? Uh, Tenya introduces himself to Izuku, uh, repeating that he's from Somi Private Academy. That's like his introduction. (laughs) It's his thing. Uh, Tenya says that Izuku perceived the true nature of the practical exam, while he did not. Tenya admits that he misjudged Izuku, and that annoys Katsuki even more. And hey, don't look now, but Ochaku's in this class, too. Hey, the gang's all together, hey. yeah. And, uh, and she, uh, out of all of them, actually seems happy to see Izuku. You got in, just like President Mike said. Makes sense, though. That punch was awesome. No, I mean, 
I have to thank you for speaking on my, beh my behalf. I, I, well, uh... Ochako wonders how Izuku even knew about her speaking up for him to the judges, but kind of mm. brushes it away. Katsuki stews on the fact that two people from his middle school have made it to UA High. He grabs Izuku by the collar and threatens him. Izuku stands his ground and says someone told him that he could be a hero, so he's gonna be here no matter what. Yes, Katsuki's surprised that Izuku stood up to him. He thinks there's something fishy about all of this. Ochaku makes some friendly small talk with Izuku before class begins, and uh, during which Izuku is blushing madly. Yeah, he's like with the hand thrown up around his face. He, mm -hmm. he can't handle the women's attention. That's mm. uh, then a long-haired man in a sleeping bag appears at the door. He's uh, crawling across the floor like a caterpillar. This is the homeroom teacher, Shota Aizawa. He enters the room and sheds his sleeping bag, and Shota says it took them eight seconds to quiet down, and time is a precious resource. Then he gives them all gym uniforms and tells them to head out to the grounds. And these uniforms are they're like tracksuits with a U and A down the front. Yeah. Uh, while the class heads outside, All Might is in the school library in his sickly form. He's uh, there reading the faculty manual, uh, where he reads that the homeroom teacher will test his students' quirks. Oh, go over to the gym, Shota says. No time to waste on that stuff if you want to become heroes. UA is known for its freestyle education system. That applies to us teachers as well. Is is he is he hitting on the students? It kind of seems like it, right? Like we're, we're gonna do this freestyle. How Don't freestyle worry. are we getting here, buddy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so the idea is that they will do basically standard gym activities. We've got softball throwing, the standing long jump, the fifty meter dash, endurance running. Yeah, they got grip strength, side to side stepping. I don't remember that one, but uh, mm. upper body training, and then of course the biggest one of all, the seated toe touch. Uh, at their regular schools, they were prohibited from using their quirks when attempting these activities, but here, Shota wants to see how they do with their quirks activated. Yes, and using his explosive power, Katsuki throws the softball 705.2 meters. Uh, so the teacher will be looking for some exceptional record-setting results. You're hoping to become heroes after three years here, and you think it'll be all fun and games? Well, I mean, they're they're throwing softballs and doing broad jumps on the first day, so you really can't blame them for thinking that, it's right? A, like, play is the first thing you did, so yeah. what was that about? Right. The one with the lowest score across all eight events will be judged hopeless and will be expelled. Well, at least they haven't broken in their dorm beds yet. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy. Uh, over at the library, All Might is looking up this teacher, Mr. Shota Azawa, and he's expelled 154 students, Ooh. so... uh. Hey, kids, welcome to your first day of school. Yikes, number six. <laughs> and this will be the last uh, book that we're reading for this volume. What what I can do for now. Picks up again right from the last one, like the, all, all the other ones. Shota tells his students that for the next three years, UA is going to run them through the ringer. He also mentions that they won't be hanging out at McDonald's, which uh, seems oddly specific. It's weird. That's yeah. plus ultra. Use your strength to overcome all. So bring it. Yes, our first event is the 50-meter dash. Ida Tenya races it in 3.04 seconds. His quirk is described as engine. A girl named Soya Aswe. Soya Aswe. Suyu Aswe. 
that looks like a frog. <laughs> she makes the run in 5.53 seconds. And uh, we're really not making fun of her here. She's got a long tongue, and, and, and she even says ribbit and everything. Yeah, that's like her She's quirk. in on the joke. She's yeah. a frog girl. That's her thing, yeah. yeah. Oh, Chaco uses her ability to manipulate gravity and make herself lighter, and she makes the run in 7.15 seconds, which is improved over her junior high school time of 7.28 seconds. Hmm. Old Naval Laser runs the course by facing the wrong direction and then uses his quirk to shoot backwards super fast. His name, by the way, is Yuga Yuga Oyama. Man, we we have really got to send somebody an apology. Uh, And his time (laughs) is 5.51 seconds. Using explosive speed, which is, you know, making his hands explode while he runs along, Katsuki runs the track in 4.13 seconds. And Azuki runs the course, and his time is 7.2 seconds. But uh, it is a big improvement over his previous speed of 7.48. So That's true. He thinks to himself, seven more events. Everyone's using their quirks to produce some incredible records. But if I use mine even once, that power will wreck my body. Regulate! Regulate! I can picture what I have to do, but easier said than done. Izuku thinks back to his talk with All Might last night, where he learned that the key to regulation is sensation. I guess we missed that part of the conversation. Didn't yeah, we? There, there was a whole schoolhouse rock thing, I think, that happened. We never quite caught it. Yeah. Uh, All Might says, you've already experienced 100% power. And it really messed me up. Then this should be easy. Remember how that felt? How was it? Tingly, maybe? Or like, boom? Uh, yeah, like like an egg placed in the microwave? If that's how you imagine it, then reduce the power. Shorten the cooking time. Do whatever you need to do so the egg doesn't explode. Think about it. So now this kid's got to lug a microwave around with him. Uh, are there are there any microwaves on that beach he cleaned? I, I mean, something, I don't a get microwave, it. a goblet. He's got this guy's <laughs> got to have a lot of stuff to regulate himself. It's really strange. He's need to buy a van. <laughs> uh, now, the second event tests people's grip. Zuku gets 56 kilograms, uh, which is 16 kilograms more than in middle school. Another student that has a strength quirk rates. 540 kilograms. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to win that one. I think maybe. In the standing long jump, Zuga with the belly button laser uses that same trick from the 50 meter dash and dominates. And uh, another little shuffling girl rules the sidestepping event. So, that's cool. <laughs> Though maybe like Axel Rose would get that. <laughs> you know, just kind of <laughs> back and forth <laughs> weaving. Yeah. Now, Ochaku takes the throwing event by removing all the gravity from the softball. And uh, this actually gets an infinity symbol from the distance meter. <laughs> so, it's still good. Going. Yeah, it's still out um, there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zuku is getting nervous. Uh, so far, he has done very poorly. All that's left is endurance running, upper body strength, and the seated toe touch. I, I really think that last one has, should, should come earlier in the program. Though it's gonna be really... Not much of a climax, Who right? stays for the seated toe touch if that's the last <laughs> thing? <laughs> our, our friend Tenya goes, Minoriya isn't doing very well. Well, duh. He's a quirkless runt. Quirkless? So you haven't heard about his feats during the entrance exam? Wasn't he there at the time? I, don't, why? I thought they were all there. What does he have to hear this secondhand? I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> uh, thinking of his overbearing mom and supportive pal All Might, Izuku is ready to take care of business. He tries to use his one-for-all quirk to throw the softball, and it goes 46 meters. Huh? But I was trying to use it. I erased your quirk. That ridiculous entrance exam. 
completely irrational when you consider someone like you got in. What a jerk. <laughs> um, now, Izuku recognizes this teacher as the Eraser Hero, Eraserhead. He stays out of the spotlight, but he's not well known. For instance, All Might creeping up around the corner and observing the situation, he hasn't even heard of him. Really? I mean, Erasure was really big in the 80s. You never, you never heard any of that? Anyway. <laughs> uh, Shota says that if Izuku uses his quirk, he will get hurt. And there may not be a nurse available to kiss it and make it all better next time. Shota binds Izuku in his scarf, which seems alive somehow. This just comes out of nowhere, Chris. I don't know what that's about. It does, this, yeah. The scarf just jumps to life, and uh, while still dressing him down about what a loser he is, he says that if he can't withstand saving even one person, then he's a liability and not a hero. But still, Izuku is resolved to take this test. So Shota gives him his quirk back and figures he'll watch the bloodbath. Izuku winds up his pitch and then lets go. He waits until the last possible instant, then imbues just the tip of his index finger with the All Might power, and this sends the ball out 705.3 meters. And the teacher is stunned. Yeah, Shota thinks to himself, he didn't utilize his full power. He just concentrated into his fingertip. Sensei, I can still move! This kid. There is one more chapter wherein all these new budding heroes get their costumes. Yeah, Katsuki got these gloves that look like giant hand grenades. It's cool. So. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, I think we're all heroed out for this episode. So, uh, maybe we will come back and check in on the class in another volume somewhere down the line. Yeah, we had a good time with this, but I think we have... Uh... Take it all the time with manga that we can need our minds for and hearts for the, for the moment. <laughs> so we're going to take a little break, uh, dust ourselves off. We come back, we'll give you a little more hero academia. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. to talk about My Hero Academia and a little bit about other uh, comic book schools of heroism and mm-hmm. not heroism, uh, whatever the, all, the other, <laughs> the opposite of, of heroism might be villainry, but not even quite villainry. But anyway, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about this book. Uh, you know, I had a good time with it. I thought it was a pretty, sure. I especially, I liked the idea of a 
place with 80% heroes or super-powered people, 20% not, uh, really flipped the whole idea on its head of, like... For sure. You yeah. know, in, in regular comics, a hero with great power comes great responsibility. They take that on to, to do that because, you know, at great expense and, and peril of their own... And it's it's other version. It's a it's a big honor. You know what I mean. It's like getting awarded a big government contract or something. So, yeah. uh, I thought that was cool. There seems to be other also a spinoff. We'll talk about it that deals with people that also do heroic things that are not sanctioned. It it really gets your mind going on what a role like that could be. Like you know what I mean. Um, sure, what, sure. And what is heroism when you're just doing it for the government pay and, and for the money? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I really like that part. And you know overall. The story, I wouldn't say it, it held a ton of surprises, Chris. Would you? Would you but it was cool. No, no, it was it was it was cool though. It, yeah, it, it would want, you know, I definitely like the different, uh, you know, characters and the heroes and stuff. Uh, yeah, there well, was definitely some some manga tropes there with the you know you had the bully character, the sure. the, the shy girl character. It, it's it, it is it's exactly what you expect um, yeah. in that regard. But uh, but I had a good time with it. Yeah. Definitely upbeat and like you know a feel good kind of book, and you know the All Might character had a kind of a comedy about him. <laughs> uh, the one thing that really disappointed me with this book, and uh, I think it's something that I that maybe should be criticized more in the world, is that I really found the translation to be pretty poor for this. Kind of lacking, yeah. really lacking, and it, it wasn't hard to understand, but. It could have been. It could have flowed better. You know, it could have been. Could have been nuanced. Yeah. But better nuance. And you know, uh, we were saying. I'm sure this is the when you know, a, a a manga jumps off in Japan and Viz or whatever some North American distributor wants to pick it up. It's a rush to translate and get it to the market. You know, they don't. They're not sitting on their hands. The yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. They're they're trying. They're trying to turn money fast. They're not trying to uh, make a dainty little. You know, they're not a, growing roses. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a passion project, but. This is now a multi several hundred million dollar property. I would I would like if I'd they assume. had gone back and uh, updated that uh, translation or something like that. But it was uh, you know it was okay. That hmm. that that took me out of it sometimes. That's all. But it, you you had good feelings though. So yeah uh, yeah I, I I haven't really followed shonen manga in a long time. And the last couple of uh, the last couple of times I dipped my toe in there were for. Uh, Dead Man Wonderland and Attack on Titan, and I found both of those to be very disappointing. Yeah. Um, Attack on Titan had this really loose art, and the story just didn't compel me at all mm -hmm. either. Um, and those are like those were like the biggies for a couple of years ago, and I, I just really haven't gone back. Uh, I, I know Luke has been talking about this book for a little while now, and I, I just never got around to it until now. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, either yeah, he, he asked us to do this a while ago, and a long time back. Yeah. Well, he asked us to do this actually right after we did monster and i was Just like a well, year ago i was yeah. like well i'm not gonna do it right after doing <laughs> like this huge this other huge tankabon you know uh i mean that's 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 part of the thing I, you know i i really enjoy for me I, I, i'm more i'm newer to it i really do enjoy dipping into this but sure it's a lot you really you really can't do one chapter but then if you get into the it's whole too small to do one yeah, yeah yeah it's too little to do a chapter but it's it's very daunting to do an entire volume it's but a, uh yeah yeah dipping dipping back in for this i i come away positive for sure uh mm -hmm. this was uh it, it kind of brought me back to other uh, other young shonen mangas you know mm -hmm. other 
group of young teens doing stuff type of mangas, and uh, that's really never a bad thing. So uh, this was uh, this was neat to, uh, to to visit. Yeah, it sort of gave me feelings of like the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon uh, stuff like sure. that, like teams teams of powered. Kids, yeah, whatever, doing a thing. So don't, definitely... don't always get along, and then there's a rivalry. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's neat stuff. But yeah. in the end, they band together. Uh, you know, I mean, not that anyone should ever listen to me for rec- recommendations for their children, but I, I would re- <laughs> I would recommend this for like kids seven and up. I don't see why not. Sure, seems good. But anyway. Uh, the series continues to be serialized in the pages of Weekly Shonen Jump and Viz Media's North Digital Translation for North America, uh, which, guess what that's called? Shonen Jump Weekly. Hey. So they really flipped the title around. Uh, <laughs> as of t- 2018, there are 20 collected Tankabon volumes in Japanese, 14 in English. A spin-off series, My Hero Academia Vigilantes, began being published by Weekly Shonen Jump in 2017. The series is licensed for North America by Viz Media, and the first volume was released in English on July 3, 2018. The series is about three characters who, with unreliable or minor quirks, uh, somewhat like Izuku, as we see him, but they operate outside of the public eye to perform heroic acts. So this is like another slice of life in this world. Sure. An anime series based on My Hero Academia would debut in Japan in April of 2016. It was directed by Kenji Nakasaki, written by Yosuke Karuda, and produced by Toho. The series has been licensed for English translation all throughout the world, uh, from New Zealand to Canada, through Sony Universal's various subsidiaries. It would debut in the United States on Cartoon Network's Toonami in April 2018. The cartoon has concluded three seasons in Japan, 63 episodes in total, with a fourth season debuting in October of 2019. An animated film, Boku no Hero Academia the Movie, Futari no Hero, or My Hero Academia the Movie, Two Heroes, had its world premiere at Anime Expo on July 5th, 2018, with a wider Japanese release that August. Funimation released the film theatrically in North America and Canada during September and October of 2018. In the original Japanese, uh, we're pretty sure the English dub will be coming pretty soon, though. They, they, pretty quick. They yeah. seem to be a Johnny on the spot with They're this on top right of now, it, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, in October 2018, Legendary Entertainment acquired the rights to produce a live action adaptation of My Hero Academia, so that's brand oh, new. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, that might spell <laughs> the end of it. We'll find out. Uh, My Hero Academia, the manga that is, back to the comics podcast, won the Sugoi Japan Award in 2017. How about that? Now, we were going to do a little bit more manga history, but I, I think we did a pretty thorough look at the history of yeah. manga and how it began uh, appearing here uh, in Western markets. We did that back in Cosmic Treadmill, episode 76, and that was uh, Naoki Urasawa's Monster, volume one. You can check that one out in the archives. It's right there waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so instead of that, we do want to discuss other schools, basically, other comic book schools, mm-hmm. uh, places where kids do learning. Uh and really can't start anywhere else but the Xavier Institute of Higher Learning, which was formerly the Xavier's Academy for Gifted Youngsters. This place first appeared in X-Men number 1, September 1963, Covenant by Stan and Jack. Now, this is that mutant school located in Professor X's mansion in uh, Salem Center, Westchester, New York. Uh, this contains the Danger Room, uh, which is an impossible arena of traps used to train the X-Men with uh, some Shi'ar technology. Yep. Uh, and Cerebro, which is the mutant detective 
character and only works for a couple issues before going haywire and turning mutants worldwide into Smurfs or something. One of my favorite uh, activities reading early X-Men books is to see them in the danger room and just be like, come on! Come on! You're, <laughs> you're saying you have, you have a loaded guided missile launcher in the wall of this room. Right there in the wall. I don't, I don't believe it! <laughs> another, that's one thing That's one thing Claremont did. He's like, okay, we'll use the Shi'ar hologram. Exactly, yeah. Otherwise, it's like, give, yeah, okay. You, 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 yes, you, you have, have a cannon. You have four flaming hoops ready to descend from the ceiling at any time. Uh, anyway, so the Legion Academy, this first appeared in Adventure Comics number 371 at an August 1968 cover date in a story, The Colossal Failure, by Jim Shooter and Kurt Swan. This is a school where potential Legionnaires learn to be heroes. Since their powers are singular and unique, however, they can't really be trained in using them. I guess they just learn how to sacrifice themselves when the time comes. Uh, yeah. The graduates of the Legion have done plenty of that, so they know they, how to They're do really it. good at it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got Sidekick City Elementary School. This place first appeared in Tiny Titans number one. This is April 20, 2008 cover date by Art Balthazar and Franco Uriellini. Uriellini. He usually just goes by Franco, so we'll just call him Franco. Fine. Uh, now, this is the school that the Tiny Titans attend, and uh, Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, is the principal, and Darkseid is... Uh, <laughs> One of the lunch ladies. Yeah, you've looked at this, right? You, have you, you I, I have, yes. I, I, I gotta check this. I gotta check this out. Dark size. <laughs> it sounds funny. Uh, it, it's it's funny. It's like it's one of those things that's like instantly funny, but then it's like instantly you, it, you're done with it. It, wear, it wears off fast. <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps serving up the anti uh, hot dog equation or something like that. Anti life hot yeah. dogs. Yes. Uh, Avengers Academy first appeared in, in Avengers Academy number one, June 2010, cover date by Christos Gage and Mike McCone. This is Hank Pym and other assorted other Avengers set up a school for six teens that were controlled by Norman Osborn during Marvel's Dark Reign storyline. Ostensibly, they're being trained to be heroes, but the kids soon learn they're being contained due to their villainous tendencies. And then they tell Tony Stark he's not their real dad and slam their bedroom doors. They, they pump up the music. That's they, right. <laughs> no, uh, that, that one, <laughs> that that series got like a lot of hype back in the day. I I own all of it, and I I was reading it as it came out. I just couldn't get into it. It wasn't. Uh, I I have to it, confess, I definitely did not read it when it came out, but I looked into it for this, and I I kept waiting for it to be like, all right, Avengers Academy then became. Avengers, Avengers Arena, or what? Yeah, well, it did become, yes. but I kept waiting for it to become. Okay, it's well, we have this story, but it'll really become. Okay, this issue, it'll really become an cat. Now maybe it'll, <laughs> it never becomes an cat. It's always this ruse to like you know fool these six kids, and then it becomes Avengers then it Arena. Becomes they bloated, yeah. Uh, they bloated the school out. They brought like X twenty three, Wolverine's yes. clone. They brought her in. They, it got really. They brought the Power Pack kids in. It was just very. But it really very, never become. That's yeah. it. Never is like like class. Is never in session, you know. Like it's just, it's always, just them always on a field. It's just always is out there. I don't know. <laughs> now another Marvel one uh, from around the same time is the Future Foundation, the FF. This first appeared in Fantastic Four number five seventy nine. This is July twenty ten cover date by Jonathan Hickman and Steve Epting. In this, Reed Richards assembles bright young minds from a variety of species with the express purpose of helping humanity. And this would be the group that hangs out with the Fantastic Four through much of Hickman's uh, Fantastic Four and FF runs. Mm. Uh, FF would be canceled and relaunched 
the next month by uh, Matt Fraction and Mike Allred uh, as part of Marvel Now. This is November 2012 cover date. This time it's it's more it's less a school for little kid heroes and more a school for young scientists. Mm-hmm. And this is a uh, this includes uh, what's it. Uh, not which which Ant Man is. Warlocks is in there. Uh, yeah, Franklin we have uh, Richards is in there. And the uh, new Fantastic Four is uh, Ant Man, but uh, not the Hank Pym one. Who is that? Scott Lang. Oh, you're right. It's with Scott Lang. Uh, yes, yes, yes. She Hulk, uh, uh, a Ms. Thing, Ms. which Thing. was a, uh, which is like a pink-haired woman who dresses up in one of uh, Ben Grimm's old Thing costumes. Right. Well, it's like the robotic one that has the Thing power, yeah. but not the head. Yes, yeah, so, sometimes she wears that. Sometimes she wears that. Right. And uh, also, uh, Medusa's on the team, but uh, eventually they'd be joined by a battle scarred Johnny Storm who comes from the future. Yep, and he comes with bad news, and then yeah. I don't remember but what the, happens. But the art was nice. I did like the, the art. The art was and very I, nice. And I remember, I remember thinking actually at first of the trappings of this like school for the young, for these, it was kind of cute. But hmm. uh, then I couldn't tell you what happened. I really couldn't. If you if you if you put a <laughs> poker to my, I read I did read that whole thing. Uh, I couldn't tell you because this ended. is when they they had the the two Fantastic Four books. I mean, Marvel has a hard time having one, and they had two they back had in two. 2012. Yeah, and the, uh, in the Fantastic Four, they sent the four away. Right. Where they broke up and spent twelve issues coming back together so they could cancel the book again. Right. And then FF was on Earth with that's, these characters. That's exactly right, and that's why yeah. Johnny Storm came from the future, and he like. Told them that he basically told them that the Fantastic Four had died, and yeah, it was a whole thing. But like I say, <laughs> something in the end it was resolved, and everyone was happily ever after. I don't remember <laughs> at all really what exactly happened, but there it is. And uh, last one, this one is sort of out of left field, but Morning Glory Academy. This one first appeared in Morning Glory's number one, August 2010 cover date by Nick Spencer and Joe Eisma. Uh, this Morning Glory, Glory Academy is to the outside world a preparatory school. In reality, however, it is a mysterious location attempting to achieve unclear goals via sinister means. <laughs> Once students arrive, they're cut off from the outside world. Parents send their children with pride but appear brainwashed not to ask too many questions. The general design of the school, which is why it's on the list really, is based off Baylor University where Joe Eisman got his Bachelor of Arts degree and he said he also drew inspiration from the Xavier Academy for Gifted Students, so mm-hmm. all goes full circle. Chris, how do you like that? It's great. And, and on the same uh, ticket as Xavier Academy uh, for Gifted Students, we also have the Massachusetts Academy, where Generation X was taught, and we covered Generation X number one way back in the day, so you can find that in the archives uh, waiting for you as well. Well, didn't Jean Grey have a school? She just took over the Gifted School They, they changed the name of the Xavier School to the Jean Grey Institute after she died. Yeah, but then she came it's, back. Yeah, and then there was the that, that was the Wolverine School, because when Wolverine and Cyclops split, Wolverine opened the school and Cyclops went into a cave. Oh, there so. you go. Well, that's fine. <laughs> is that what you call that sabbatical? Is that what that is? All right, that's fine. <laughs> Yes, we in the biz call that a sabbatical. Uh, now, before we leave, we're going to enter into some discourse here with our good friend, Jeremiah Jones Goldstein. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have a few emails from him. Uh, you can find him at BigOx737 on Twitter, and you can check out his blog at comicscomicscomics.blog. That's a, the best URL. Yeah, and we're very, you know, we, we've been sitting on these a while. 
we we apologize. So please. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're we we try, we try, we really do. <laughs> but uh, I mean, our first email is dated October twenty sixth. That's like a year ago. It's all it's a long uh, time. <laughs> he says, "I've really been enjoying your solo episodes. You bring the same thoughtfulness and attention to the material in these episodes that you do to your other work, and it shows." Yeah, he continues to say, I listened to Reggie's Yellow Kid episode last night, and it was fantastic. I think that was my first Reggie's comic stories. Uh, the first, or the yeah. second one. The first of the second one. Uh, the history was really interesting, and I got a lot out of it, and I hope you consider doing other significant comic strip material in the future. I would love to hear an episode on Walt Kelly and the Pogo Strip. I recently have been reading that comic in the omnibus editions that have come out in the last couple of years, and it is so good, and I agree. That is vital comics uh, that is a linchpin of, of comic art, I think, and storytelling. Finally, I wanted to mention that I was finishing listening to the Twisted Tale episode last night. That was our Halloween episode, right? Yep. Uh, you were reading the third story, the Davy Jones locker run. He was so engrossed in the story, I drove right by my exit for home. <laughs> Actually went to exit past it before I realized what I had done. So that <laughs> says a lot for that story, and thank you so much, Jeremiah. That says a lot for our... Uh, telling of it, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, we jump ahead about a month, November 17th, and he says, I've been listening to all your podcasts, and I cannot believe the stuff you guys are putting out. I honestly don't know where you find the time to do it all. The Action Comics Weekly series has been a lot of fun. That's where we discussed all of the Green Lantern stuff. There. Yeah, throughout November that was, right? That was all November, yes. Uh, I know my brother and I read that comic when it was being published, but I don't remember the Green Lantern storyline. Maybe we were reading it for the other stories. The solo shows have also been great. The C.C. Beck episode was excellent. I really love the history you've been bringing up. Chris's episode with Charlton Hero was also awesome. As someone who struggles to find the time to write a blog, there was a lot of stuff in that conversation that was very inspiring. And that was during the uh, Superblog team-up history, and uh, Jeremiah is now part of the Super Superblog team-up. Hey, look at that. Yeah, and that'll be coming out, I want to say... The 26th of January, that'll all be going down, so what's you'll the, uh, be able to see. What's the What is it? It's Redemption. Ooh. Redemption, a hero that turns, uh, or a villain, or somebody who turns good. And uh, since I covered all those, like, so many of those on the blog, I'm, I'm really struggling to find uh, who I'm going to discuss. Redemption so. <laughs> song. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. you got, you got a lot I, to choose from, so. I'm thinking maybe the Pied Piper. I'm not sure, though. That is also, by the way, uh, in case people don't know, that uh, Jeremiah is talking about Chris and I every other Wednesday we do solo shows about a yes. 45 minutes to an hour piece. Chris's have been uh, talking really more about your personal life uh, through with yeah. comics and kind of taking from the blog. You've had a couple of interviews and I've been talking more about doing readings from uh, other sources and stuff like that and Hmm. Just trying to add a few more uh, things to the old comics yeah. history. Uh, anyway, Jeremiah continues that the main reason I wanted to write, though, was your first episode of Comics Talk, which is a our patron-only once-twice-a-month thing yeah. where we talk a little more off-the-cuff. Uh, that was about variant covers. We all know there was uh, there are plenty of problems in the comic industry, and variant covers are one of those problems. I have to say I'm one of those collectors that feeds into that particular problem. I basically started with the monthly variant themes that DC was doing a couple of years ago with the new 52. The first ones I picked up were the first movie poster-themed ones. I remember them really well. I love movie poster art, and these covers combine that love with comics. How, I, how could I say no to that? After that, when they did a theme I liked, I would order the alternates. 
Those themed months, I would have to have all the covers. I had to satisfy that collector addiction. I didn't get all of them every month, just the ones I really liked. The best ones were the artist-themed ones, Darwin Cook, Neil Adams, John Romita Jr., etc. Eventually, DC stopped with the themes and just started issuing variants for the books, and my wallet was wicked wicked happy about that. (laughs) He continues to say, uh, Since then, I only get the variants I like. Dynamite puts out some neat retro-style covers, and I get one or two of them occasionally. I'm also a sucker for Frank Cho's variants. Some of his Harley covers are pretty funny. I like the ones with the decent gag best. Anyway, the point is that I drastically scaled back the number of variants I buy. The only dealer incentive covers I have, which are three, I got from my comic guy on the cheap because he stopped selling stuff on eBay because the fees just made it not worth it. I've since got two of these signed to conventions, which probably drastically reduced the resale. <laughs> probably. Value. You never know. It's, it's <laughs> you so never weird. know, right? You know what I mean? But then, but then a movie will come out and suddenly it'll spike for no reason. Right? So like exactly. The weird, the weird uh, economy. <laughs> Uh, he says, do I wish there were less variant covers? Yes, for sure. If there were less variants, that would mean more shelf space for other companies' books. If there were less variants, then maybe more artists that just do covers, because the pay is so much better, would go back to doing interiors. So there it is, the confession of a variant common collector. I really got a lot out of that episode, and I really hope you keep up with the Comic Talk episodes. The off-the-cuff nature of the discussion was very enjoyable. And finally, he wants to offer up an idea for an episode for a future podcast. Way back when Marvel had their Marvel Super Special series, most of which uh, were movie adaptations. Uh, It was an impressive series of comics, and it was the first work for several artists and writers, like Burt Blevins' work on The Dark Crystal. Anyway, it's just a thought. Plus, I have to figure Chris saw at least one or two of the movies they adapted, which... I'm uh, not sure. Might be not, not might not be a good bet, <laughs> Jeremiah. I gotta say, might not be a great bet, but he might have. Uh, I Chris do wanna, doesn't do movies. <laughs> you know, I I do want to get into this. Um, both, you know, doing this that Marvel Super Special series would be cool to talk about that. I but think also, so. yeah. One time, I want to do a uh, movie adaptation with a mind to what that into that process is. You know, sure, uh, that they sure. work from an early script and you know talk about that. Uh, I remember as a kid, uh, one adaptation. That I, I don't know why I, I, I it's one of these things where you have a comic so you read it a hundred thousand times sure. was the adaptation to the movie Krull, which you ever see this movie you ever hear this movie? It's, yes, yeah, I have that one too. It's, yeah, it's got a really it's just dumb. ugly cover like it's got like a, a monster face on the cover. I mean the yeah well, that's the thing they were like uh, I, I don't know if Krull is the monster of the planet but yeah the, like, <laughs> the there's like a a a ugly creature of the Black Lagoon monster. And yes, thing. yes. But it, and it's got like this special blade that's like got three sides to it and stuff. Uh, and the the movie is horrible, and the comic is like nearly incomprehensible. But <laughs> it's some of these things I just have a deep abiding memory of it. Um, other thing, just quickly about variant covers, I got to say what Jeremiah is doing is the not destructive thing. You know, idly yeah. selecting one cover over another. Is is not the problem. It's the people that must have both, and then must have the bagged and unbagged, you know, and then must have, you know, every single version is what is what artificially inflates the numbers. Uh, yep. 
So don't worry about that's it. That's why that's why brand new books wind up in the fifty cent bin because these shops over order right. because they have to to get these incentives, but then they're left with seven hundred issues of Lando number two. Oh, what sure. are you gonna do with that? Well, well no, so, so so that's incentives. That that is that yes. to me is a, is a but you know these 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 A and B covers where there's no those are fine. Those are yeah. Those are equal. Yeah. Those I mean, are if, cool. if you if you're choosing one or the other, then there's no harm done as far as I'm concerned. If you are one of these people where you must have both. <laughs> then they are they are playing into your you know uh, obsession, but that's not what Jeremiah is talking about. So you go yes. on, you get whatever dang comic you want, buddy, and don't answer to anybody else. There's so few things on this planet that make you happy. So really, deal yeah, with, just keep go. with what does. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah's final missive came on November 27th. And he says, I enjoyed your wrap-up of the Action Comics Weekly Green Lantern story. It was very well done. The last bit with the Neil Gaiman story was very interesting. If you remember, that was a alternate ending that yep. got poo-pooed by DC back in the 80s and was published after Neil Gaiman became Neil Gaiman. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Suddenly they thought it was a great idea. <laughs> yes. Let's do it twice. Uh, he continues, I've thought of a topic that I think Chris should cover in one of his weekly episodes. I think he should discuss why he doesn't like Dead Man, the special and the Phantom Stranger. <laughs> or maybe you could both just do a point-counterpoint episode for the Friday show. I find it very interesting how much Chris dislikes these characters, and uh, and I do. I do yeah. dislike those characters. And uh, that Friday show is Comics Talk, and we actually did an episode where we, we discussed... Our least favorite character. That's right, right. And, then, that, and and it was it was inspired by this very question. This so we, we did yes. tackle that. I think that's episode three of Comic so. Talk. So if you if you are you interested, you know, come over to Patreon. That's where you do it. There you are. He wraps up with the Spectre. I can understand to a certain extent. He can be a little boring, but I really like Dead Man and the Phantom Stranger. I really enjoy it when they show up in some random story. Uh, that's funny, you know, Chris. I, you know, it's not like we were deluged with mail about it, but I don't know about you, but I got a couple of messages of people uh, that got defensive about these, some of these characters. You know what I mean? It's that true. They, they came true. at me, and like, and I gotta say, one of the one of the ones I could think about that was named at least two or three times was Phantom Stranger. I was like, there, re- <laughs> there really is a character for everybody. That's what they I say, right? So. I was like, God bless him. You know, hey, that's why he's still around now. What is it now? Sixty plus years. So. Uh, that's cool. Uh, we had a great time with that one, and we are going to get back. To, we're going to do another uh, kind of goofy one this month for Comics Talk. Uh, again, we have two of those a month, and then one Cosmic Treadmill After Dark, and those are patron exclusives. So if that what's your whistle, we're going to tell you where to go in just one minute. But if you just want to talk at us, if you want to tell us about our uh, horrible handling of manga stories or and Japanese words and, and, and names, well, if yeah. you want to really rip rake us over the coals <laughs> for ripping up those names, and we would deserve it, please write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail dot com. Our Patreon is over at patreon dot com slash Chris and Reggie. If you like what we do, please feel, feel free to chip in, and you will get some exclusive content and plus our undying affection. Absolutely. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Cosmic T-Mill History. Also find us over on Instagram at Instagram uh, at Cosmic T-Mill. Yeah, same thing over at Twitter. It's at Cosmic T-Mill, and I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. You can check out our weekly writings and recordings of of 
the no, no, no. current DC Comics yeah. over at WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Uh, a lot of uh, you're, you're still doing your uh, retro reviews. Well, I'm still got my lowest too, every so. other week, but boy, it's 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 tough. But okay, I'm still hanging in there on it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, your reviews of older DC Comics. Chris does a different one every day of the week over at ChrisInfiniteEarths.com. He's got a review. He's got pictures. He's got ads. It's the next best thing. Next best thing to reading the comic. And if uh, you're a fan of Paul Pelletier, I just did a Paul Pelletier week, so uh, you can check out uh, Paul Pelletier through the ages, because uh, I've discovered that he is one of my top three Oh, you artists. love him. I know you love him a lot, yeah. <laughs> He's great. Um, now, you can also check out the show site, weird, uh, weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, where you can find our show notes, our links, our images, and even the chronological listings of all of the programming we offer. That's right. That's the place to go. When we tell you to go to the archives, that's where we mean... And mm-hmm. while you're there, if you're so inclined, if maybe your torso's feeling chilly, you feel like you need some new T-shirts, feel free to go up to the uh, the banner that's on the site for 80stees.com. Click it, and uh, if you like what you see, you purchase some things. You do us a favor, you do them a favor, and you do your chilly torso a favor. Everybody wins at 80stees.com. Win, win, win. Uh, we want to thank uh, Luke Hollywood again for the suggestion. We very much appreciate it. It's been a little while, but he... Uh, Recommended it right after the last manga, so we kind of had to wait on that one. It takes a little while. For sure. (laughs) But uh, thanks so much, Luke, and uh, of course, we will be talking to you soon. Yes, thank you. I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? I think that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill. I am here. See ya! I'm... I'm...